Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to hear some of the great conversations and guests who were recently featured on JM in the AM. Just before Pesach, Israeli Ambassador to the United Nations, Danny Danone, joined us live via telephone to discuss the upcoming holiday and, in general, to discuss what's happening at the UN. Ambassador Danny Danone on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is uh, really with great pleasure uh, that we welcome to these airwaves, to JM and the AM, the uh, Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, our wonderful friend, the Honorable Danny Danone, who is with us on this Erev Chag. Mr. Ambassador, welcome back to JM and the AM. Shalom, Nachum. Good morning. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. I always ask you each year, where will you be tonight? Where you? Where will you be for Seder Tafshin Ayin Chet? Tonight I will be in uh, New York City with my in-laws who came uh, from Israel, and uh, we're going to celebrate, and my, my kids are excited to be with the grandparents. You know, we appreciate it now when uh, they're coming to visit us, and uh, we are grateful for the beautiful holiday we're going to celebrate together. Well, we look forward, all of us look forward to a wonderful Chag, and we certainly wish you a wonderful Chag. You know, I'm curious, with the news over the last uh, week or so, when a when a terrorist attack occurs uh, in France, and um, and what happened last Friday uh, uh, becomes known to the world, the the, uh, the terrorist uh, making sure to declare what it seems the Islamic terrorists always declare when going to uh, murder innocent people, and then on top of that, we hear the story of the Holocaust survivor, an eighty five year old woman, and the way she was brutally murdered in Paris. Do, do your colleagues from France? And maybe even other European countries uh, 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 seek you out, seek you out for either a discussion on the issue, for to express their sympathies. Does it become an issue the way it became an issue in the worldwide press? Uh, unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, not. And uh, I think today we face anti-Semitism everywhere, even inside the UN, and uh, it is unfortunate. And that is why right after the hug, I'm going to take a group of ambassadors with me to Auschwitz, to Poland, wow. and then we're going to go to Israel for Israel's independence. But I think it's important that they will see what happened, uh, and then they will understand why it is dangerous to ignore the reality today, why it is dangerous to ignore the incitement that we see today in Europe. And I think when you look at the same places, Poland, France, same places that uh, the Holocaust took place, and you see those pictures, we understand that we cannot be silent and we cannot sit idly by when we see it happen. How many countries do you think will be represented on that trip? Well, we're working on that, but uh, we have a large group, you know, dozens of ambassadors uh, will join us. Some of them will come directly to Israel, some will go through. For me, I, I found out that the best way to explain Israel is to bring ambassadors to Israel. I can sit with them for hours, I can show them maps, intelligence material, but when they come to Israel, when they actually get to see the terror tunnels in the south, when they see Hezbollah on the border uh, up north, they understand what we are challenging and what we are fighting. Oh, no question about it. The Honorable Danny Danone with us, Israeli ambassador to the UN. As we sit down to the Seder tonight, there are some Jews, unfortunately there are some who don't, but there are some Jews who comprehend and understand that tonight is a national holiday, that tonight is a holiday of nationhood, that tonight is a holiday where we have to appreciate what we have on the national scale. And we know that Israel 70 is right around the corner. You know that we are anticipating the 70th with tremendous anticipation. It's 19 days from now. We've been counting down for months. Uh, do you think there will be recognition in the United Nations and celebrations in the New York area commemorating the 70th anniversary of the State of Israel? We will make sure that uh, it will happen. You know, two days ago, I hosted a seder inside the UN home, and we sat with 60 ambassadors. And I focused when I spoke about freedom, about our independence, and the exact freedom that our ancestors seek when they left Egypt. That's what we are celebrating today, 70 years of independence. Uh, I'm sure that the strong, great Jewish community will celebrate here. Uh, we're going to have uh, the march coming in June 3rd. I know many of my friends from the government will come to celebrate here in New York. So we are looking forward for this uh, independent celebration that will take place in, in Jerusalem, in New York. And we need to know that, you know, in May, the American will uh, open their embassy in Jerusalem. And that will be another reason to celebrate. 
Uh, that is going to be an amazing reason to celebrate. The, the, these couple of months can be really significant in terms of reminding the world how special and how amazing the state of Israel uh, is. You know, I, I, I love asking you this question almost every time you're on because it seems to just get uh, uh, more and more. Um, uh, it, it just seems to grow this whole concept each and every time we speak. And that is that there are so many countries now realizing that if they don't start a close association with Israel, they're going to be left at the station, so to speak, after the train has left. And I refer to uh, those countries that have water problems, those countries that are trying to advance technologically, those countries that are trying to invest in investable companies. It seems the ones who get it are the ones who are forming friendly relationships with Israel. We even see, as you can attest to, Middle Eastern countries that are coming around on this issue. I love asking you and getting an update if you feel that in the United Nations, despite the hatred, despite all the resolutions, and despite the anti-Semitism that you just spoke of in your building, do you feel what I just described? Absolutely not. When I hosted a conference about water technology, many ambassadors showed up. Some of them slipped in quietly because they wanted to <laughs> see what we are doing there. And they were shocked. They were amazed. And by the way, somebody from South Africa came, and I told him, because in Cape Town, you didn't want to work with an Israeli company and, right. and share our, to work with our technology. Now you face a huge water crisis in Cape Town, South Africa. And we see other African countries understand that, working with Israel, and especially in Africa, we see today that uh, Africa is coming back to Israel, and Israel is coming back to Africa. And it's a great opportunity for both of us. Pretty amazing. Have you called uh, Nikki Haley yet to wish her a happy holiday? I wish her a happy holiday, and I thank her for, for the great support. You know, we work together, and we are grateful for, for her new spirit. And, you know, it's, we, we have the support of the U.S., but when people speak about it publicly, it is very important because uh, for us in the U.N., uh, so many people speak against us, and to have a real friend uh, standing with us, something we are grateful for. Oh, it's so amazing. And now you have somebody who, somebody else who used to work in your building who is part of the Washington administration, uh, Ambassador John Bolton. I'm sure you're happy with his uh, insertion into the, into the uh, United States government. John Bolton is a friend of Israel. He's very knowledgeable. You know, I read all the articles about people write about him, and it reminds me what they wrote about me when I took office here a few years ago. So I think we should uh, let him prove himself and do the work. And I'm sure that those people who write uh, bad things about him in a few years will acknowledge that they made a mistake. Uh, you remember the old days, your very first couple of weeks at the U.N., huh? <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. But you know, when you believe and you have conviction, you know that you need to do what's good for Israel. Ignore the noises. And uh, we are very grateful and proud of what we are achieving here at the U.N. Well, Ambassador Danone, I can tell you, and you don't need me to tell you this, but I'll say it anyway so our audience hears it. Even the greatest naysayers agree that you have made the most of your position at the United Nations, and I'm sure you are very proud of that. Indeed, indeed. And I want to thank the great Jewish community here in New York area that gives me the support. You know, it's, you live in a great community, but you, when you walk to your office, when you walk to the U.N., it's a, it's a different planet. It's a hostile playground. But I'm grateful for the great support of the Jewish community, supporting me and my family. And then we, we all do it together. Well, I take this opportunity to wish you a Chag Kasher Vesameach. I, so, I hope somebody has already dropped off some unique hand matzot for you, I hope. Absolutely. <laughs> we have too many of those, and we're going to enjoy it during the Chag. That's wonderful. Tadarabah, Chag Kasher Vesameach. Chag to you and to everybody. Chag You heard what the ambassador said? Chag Sameach Vekasher. He knows the Simcha should be first. And he's right. Tadarabah, the Honorable Danny Danone, uh, Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. He really, to say to say he's made the most of that position is an understatement. And uh, we love having him on and getting his, his perspective on what's happening in this world. That was our conversation with Ambassador Danny Danone. Recently, our good friend David Hershorn, Dr. David Hershorn, uh, joined us in studio to discuss a unique opportunity to memorialize a very special person with the study of Dafyomi. In addition, he spoke to us about Dafyomi.org and uh, some of the uh, other uh, things that he is um, involved with at this time. Dr. David Hershorn, good friend of JM and the Nachum Siegel Network on this edition of JM Rewind here on the Nachum Siegel Network. 
Our good friend, Dr. David Hershorn, is in our studio. In addition to his uh, medical skills, for which he is a world-renowned, uh, we know him for um, a couple of other reasons. One is that he is a uh, tremendous proponent of the Dafyomi and has been somebody who has uh, not just uh, studied Dafyomi but has influenced others to study Dafyomi over the years. It's a topic we've discussed many times on this program. And in addition to that, he is also somebody who is uh, unabashedly um, very into the Nahum Siegel Network, JMNAM, and other programming that we do on a daily basis. And I, as I just said to Dr. Hershorn, I met Chaim Lazar, who's in this neighborhood earlier this week, who was telling me that uh, he he as well is now his go-to all day long as the Nahum Siegel Network. And the first person I thought of was Dr. David Hershorn, who shares the same feelings. Dr. Hershorn, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nahum. How are you, sir? Very well. Nice to see you. Uh, The first uh, effort that you made to get other people involved in Dafyomi was the website, correct? Yes. So uh, we got the uh, website name uh, Dafyomi.org back in 1995. Has anybody uh, made an attempt to purchase that web address (laughs) from you? Because that is, you have to admit, now in 2018, what I would... Thing yeah, it's a pretty valuable. Is a pretty valuable yeah. asset. I haven't had offers on that. I've had offers on six thirteen dot org, which you also control. But, um, but uh, there's, that's a whole other story. And that's I, I get, funny. I get speculators coming. That's funny that, that six thirteen <laughs> would get you offers, but dafyomi dot org would not. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but Baruch Hashem, like, I, I care less about the uh, speculators' offers and more about the people who use the uh, use the material. I understand that. What will people yeah. find at Dafyomi dot org? So the find, look, it's the, it was the first uh, website out there that had all of uh, all of Shas, all of the Talmud in English, uh, in audio shirim out there for free. Um, and so Baruch Hashem, since then, many other sites uh, followed. Uh, you and others uh, uh, put out their shirim. Uh, and you have Baruch Hashem today. People have such a variety of shirim to choose from, and I try to link to as many as I can because each you know each person should find what works for them. How many people do you, you think know? are featured now on the site? Any so idea? How many um, people are featured on the site? How many Magid Shirim? I mean, I no, I just send off links to people to go uh, to the sites to find the Magid Shirim. I'm not trying to got uh, it. To gather them all and just right. trying to link to those people send me say hey could you link to this could you link to that so, so you're linked to, to hundreds to tens I don't, know, so I, don't I, I, mean, a lot. I lost count <laughs> are you aware of the fact that there are people who do specialty dafyomi shiurim for instance I believe that there's somebody who claims to do a five minute shear or a half hour shear or you know this five minute I haven't heard but half hour I have heard uh, and, and yeah, there's some people who really want just a quick synopsis of what's going on. Uh, for some people, that's as much as they can handle. For other people, it's there. It's they'd rather. It's it's because they've already learned it. They they want a quick review. Right. Um, and uh, I've had a number of uh, of students, uh, friends of my uh, of my, my kids, who have said, "Oh yeah, I use that when I like. I'm trying to you know get ready for school. Like I'm trying you know like it's sometimes sometimes uh, kids find it easier to listen to something than to than to read it. Um, I would actually argue here on a radio show. I would argue that there is something to the spoken word. Right. Uh, that. Uh, that, as we know, Torah Shabal is called the oral law, and yet it was written down so that it shouldn't be lost. But uh, but there was a lot lost by being written down. They said better that than to not have it at all. But you lose the tone of voice. You lose the – there's no – you know, the, when they wrote it down, it was handwriting. There was no uh, no punctuation. You don't know something, sometimes if something's a statement or a question. Right. So it took, a, it took scholars to go through and to try to piece it back together to what it was. But to, to the people who heard it in the first place, it wasn't really a question for whether or not it was a question. They knew it was a question because it was asked as a question or stated as a statement or as a rhetorical question or whatever it was. So and the beginning and ends of the sentences and you know the clauses and all that, it was all there. So uh, in, in, in some ways, one could make the controversial argument that this is more authentic <laughs> to hear a shir, to right. hear Tor Shabbat Peh, than to read it. As much as we uh, have you know, iconified the... The Vilna Shas, uh, and we say that that's that's what Shas represents. That's the visual representation of Shas to us. But uh, as I can say here on a radio show, it's not all just about the visual. Sometimes it's more about what you hear. Hear, hear. <laughs> Dr. David Hershorn is here, dafiomi.org. Now, you mentioned to me, and uh, the reason you're here today is because there's actually a, a – I mean, I'm going to ask you to describe it. I understand it as a special a special Dafiomi or a special – Well, there, well, there, there, there is a, 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 a sad and yet uh, – a sad occasion, yet a, an important occasion uh, of, of an event that's going on, which is that uh, Rav David Grossman, who uh, who recorded this shiurim back in the 1980s in Los Angeles, 
uh, just passed away last month. Uh, actually, it was in February. Right. Uh, so uh, he uh, he gave his shurim out to everyone for free. He never charged for anything, and uh, and he unfortunately passed away in Staten Island. Unfortunately, uh, he was in a car accident in Staten Island in February. Um, he was at a simcha and driving home, and uh, it was, it's a very unfortunate event. But um, uh, so when the people that have benefited from his Torah for so many years um, through whether it's through dafiyomi.org or through uh, the tapes, this 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 rabbi would he would make his tapes and he would go around erev Shabbos and go to shuls and like drop them off. Uh, he would, you know, and you and so I, people I, would have them. For yes, free. people would have them. You know, just you would put them. You would just put it in different place, and people would say, "Why are you doing this?" And he said, "Because somebody will listen. So I think it'll help some people." Um, there was he used to give shirim there in the in the in yeshiva, and uh, and some of the older uh, members said, "I can't make it every day. Could you record it for me?" So that's how that got started, you know. And uh, it was it was uh, it was it was quite a thing he had going, and it was in his day. You know, he was a pioneer, kind of like you. You know, pushing, pushing, pushing. You know, we wanted to, we wanted to put it out there and was going to find ways to make it work. The thing about someone like him is it's impossible to know how many people he reached because absolutely that the ripple effect and the numbers just you know would baffle us if we would know exactly how many people he really right. reached. Right, you know, he, he the, the way the only information you have is a similar information you get. It's it's anecdotal. It's right. when 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 people give you reactions and send you things, and you have a sense of okay, I know I'm making some impact out there because I'm getting some responses from some people, but most people are not you know are, are not going to necessarily give you feedback, and and you just say that's okay, you know. Um, so are we encouraging people no. to study Dafyomi in his memory? Is that absolutely it? so? Uh, so there is a seum that's being put together mm. in his memory, and if you go to dafyomi.org, you'll see the link to uh, to it. There's also uh, a, a domain name uh, rabbigrossmanseum.com is a direct link to it. R a b b i g r o s s m a n s y u s y s i y u m right dot org dot com I think it's dot com and it's a uh, it, you know, it's it's a it, it links to a to another website called Hajanalach, which is just a, a nice website somebody put together just to, to allow people to organize siyum. So it has all of the, the paid daf of shas listed there, and you can take a daf or an, or a perik or a, or or a smasechta, whatever. And oh, and it's a natural because obviously yeah. there's so many people out there already doing it, right, so let them right, right, right. dedicate it to his memory. Right. Uh, dafyomi.org has the link. Dafyomi.org has the link. You can go to rabbigrossmansiyum.com, rabbigrossmansiyum.com, and sign up. Uh, to in fact study Dafyomi or Masechet or whatever section it is uh, in his memory, and uh, it would be much appreciated. As you said, that he has a lot of Talmidim out there. Yes, and it's kind of interesting. I'm sitting here in your studio, Nachum. I had the zchus a couple of years ago of being out in Los Angeles, and I went to visit Rabbi Grossman at his home, uh, and 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 uh, and he said, "Come here, I have to show you something." So he takes me out to his backyard. He has a has a garage in the back there, and he said, "This is my recording studio." Oh. So nice. I came in. I come into this, this this garage, which hasn't seen a car in I don't know how many decades, because it's all over the place, loaded with tapes all everywhere, uh, and tapes and recording equipment, and uh, and just shelves and shelves and shelves of tapes and svarim, and you know that's of course he has a basement inside his house, but he has the svarim out in the garage too because he's giving shirim out there, uh, and uh, you know he's. Uh, he he just you know he wasn't uh, super technical he just but he knew how to make a recording and he just kept on making more and more recordings and uh, it was it was nice is that uh, he, these recordings in the 1980s on tapes but we had I just was able to recruit volunteers uh, over the web uh, who uh, who would encode the tapes to digital this is remember this is back in the 1990s right. this is uh, you know this was this was not commonplace back then. And uh, and then other people who would then take the uh, recordings and would index them because I'd have you know Bavakama you know two A so people would say oh that's uh, that's that's you know Daf Beis right. so, no no it's tape number two side A oh yeah and, right yeah. right so because that's how it was that's confusing how, because that's how it came so I had other volunteers who then indexed it so that could, so that we could reslice the data files so that no you know Bavakama two A is is Daf Beis you know and and uh, so which makes it more intuitive to people to use so. We did that and uh, and got it done, and had volunteers who you know just uh, took the time to to give me the information so we could do that, and then uh, you know they got it all up there, and then so then uh, people finally could go to any daf that they want. And there was a, there's another uh, friend of mine, Josh Iskowitz, who uh, who uh, a number of years ago 
uh, took a Vilner Shas that was public domain and scanned in all the dapim. So we had the first, uh, you know, it, it was one of the first sites that had just all the dapim of, of Shas there so you could have the visual as you're listening. And there you go. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, Dr. David Hershorn is here, dafyomi.org, the uh, information about uh, helping to um, uh, memorialize Rabbi Grossman is Rabbi uh, Grossman com or by com as we get information about signing up. How are you doing on Daf Yomi? How's, uh, how's the current in Masechta? Baruch Hashem, doing very well. Are we well. still in Avodah Zarah? Yes, we're still in Avodah Zarah. That doesn't and, sound uh, good. <laughs> so no, no, no. I'd always say, we're doing Avodah Zarah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Learning Avodah Zarah. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, the, uh, so, you know, some of the laws of, uh, the, the, the actual, there's a lot of halach lamaisa in Avodah Zarah. We say, halach lamaisa in Avodah Zarah. What is, what is, uh, what do you learn from Avodah Zarah that we have to do with today? We don't have a type for Avodah Zarah today. It's barely found today. You know, around certainly, you know, it's not a big, mm-hmm. uh, big it's issue. Not say, yeah, but kashras. All right, right. So much of kashras comes out of the sechas of Odazara. Understanding about the uh, giulim, understanding about, about, about when you have to, when you have to, uh, you have to tavel something, when you have to, uh, when you have to uh, do hagala, when you have to hagalas kalim. We're going to do an hour of pesach. Right? We're going to a lot of people are doing it today. <laughs> right, right. We're going to get it. So a lot of this all comes from you know what, what is the proper way of doing hagala, what requires hagala. All this stuff comes from the sechas of Odazara. You know, and the uh, and uh, and there's also some some very strong moral lessons that come out of Masechus of but interactions uh, with uh, with non-Jews, uh, which we we certainly respect. We are all God's children, but understanding that there are certain boundaries that we have to set before you know for our beliefs and for our you know for our way of life, uh, in order to uh, in order to promote what we think is a proper interaction with the with the, with the non-Jewish world. Um, which is super important uh, to have. As a doctor, I treat all patients, and everyone right. is, uh, er, you know, every life is sacred. But understanding that as a Jewish people, we do have an identity and do need to maintain that identity. And there are some interactions that are absolutely wonderful and proper, uh, and others that are not. And uh, and Masechus of Adazar makes that point as to uh, and and certain chumras that certain rabbanim took upon themselves, and they weren't being antisocial. They weren't being, uh, you know, anti-Gentile. They were just saying, "Look, this is what I need to preserve my identity, and this is how I choose how I choose to act, but not to, not as a put down or anything." But, what an um, important message on Erev Pesach, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we talk about Jewish identity, nationhood, we talk about what preserved us in Egypt. We know that you know, identity, name, etc., was so important, and, and knowing those boundaries was so important. So, a very important message. And in fact, I would say that. Uh, all of the all of our community leaders should pay more attention to these national messages. So we have a we have a lot of things going on Pesach, Doctor Hirschhorn, as you know. Yep. I'm sorry for drifting into this, no, but, please. G- but give me a moment to use you as a sounding board, please. We have a lot of things, and a lot of people are going to sit down to the seder tomorrow night, and they're going to be concerned with how large the afikoman has to be. Yep. You know when they eat, and how many ounces of wine has to be in their kiddush cup. And I'm not minimizing any of that. In all seriousness. I'm not minimizing And they're not minimizing the wine in their cup either. And they will be be maximizing the wine in the cup. But in addition to that, let us remember that that there's a larger message tomorrow night. There is a large national message that has to do with our relationship to God, that has to do with, with our freedom that God has given us, within limits, of course, and that has to do ultimately with the ultimate gula, with the ultimate redemption. And I think that those national messages sometimes get lost when we're cleaning and we're checking romaine lettuce, and when we're uh, you know concerned about uh, some of the uh, some of the I don't want to say smaller, but some of the more um, uh, some of the minutia uh, that has to be dealt with on Pesach. So, right, I always find that find one of the uh, one of the best words I read on uh, Pesach over the years is about the the the, uh, the structure of the Haggadah of uh, you know which psukim does the Haggadah focus in on, and so you say, what do you mean? See some Sraim, Shmos. The, uh, the, the the model is actually from Devarim talking about Bikurim. Right. Why Bikurim? Because that's when you're going to be able to say we left Egypt. Right. That's when you're going to talk about it as something that happened in the past that got us to where we are in the present. Because that's the point of the Haggadah, not to you know not not to necessarily uh, go back to the days of when we were in Egypt, but to say no, go to the days when you got to Israel and were able to look back on when you were in Egypt. That's the point of the Haggadah, is to, is to bring you to say that was the point of all this, was to get you here to Eretz Yisrael, where you can serve Hashem with a base of Mikdash. That was the point of all this. And I thought that was, uh, that was, it was well taken, uh, where, you know, to say that that's the focus. I mean, and so sometimes that's lost. I mean, you see, mm-hmm. you look at the psukim, you don't realize, wh- where are you reading from? 
where, where are you going? You're not in you're not in Sefer Shmos. You're some of it's in Shmos, but but the but the focus starts in in Sefer Devarim. Looking back, because that's the that's the perspective of the Haggadah is to say this is uh you know this this is this is where we got you to. You got me to this to this land where I can bring the first fruits and, and to the base of Mikdash and serve Hashem. And how does uh, as I remind everybody, how does Dayenu, <clears throat> one of the high points of the Seder end? Right. That is it. That is the end game. And uh, that, then that is such an important part, <clears throat> excuse me, of Seder night, as you pointed out. Well, I thank you. Chag Kasher Information about um, uh, the uh, dedication uh, to um, Rabbi Grossman's memory. Those who uh, would like to sign up and be part of it, go to uh, Rabbi Grossman Seum. Dot com, Rabbi Grossman com. More information about everything we discussed at dafyomi.org, where Dr. Hirshhorn continues to link to a uh, large number of different sites and opportunities. And, and you have sh- short shirim, long shirim, you have all the varieties that people could link to and enjoy. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to add uh, just one, one more plug just for someone sure. who I'm so proud of as a classmate of mine, Simon Wolf. Yeah. Uh, Simon Wolf uh, is living in Eretzisrael now in, the, in Ramat, uh, uh, Ramat Shiloh. You know, you know, you know what Shiloh stands for. Go ahead. Shkunat Yeshivat Leiv Hatorah. That's why it's Ramat Shiloh. Very good. Um, so, uh, and uh, and he's lived there for for quite a number of years, and he gives the Fiomi Shirim there, and he records them, and he and I helped him to put his website together, swdaf.com, um, and his Shirim are phenomenal. Um, he also. Uh, you could almost argue has too much time on his hands because if you see what he does, I mean, he doesn't really have too much time on his I'm hands. Sure if you see what he does, you know, art school can only fit so much content on a page of things, but he'll go into graphs and charts and things without limit. And he'll say, and he also has a business degree from, from Wharton. And so he said, okay, the Gemara talks about the price of gold. Let's look at the price of gold for the past 2,000 years and, and track it. The New York Stock Exchange going back, 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 thousands of years. And he said, let's track the price of gold, value of gold. It's just one of his things that he does. It points if you have if you have no constraints, if you're online, you can make as much documentation as you want. This is what he does, and he has a, 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 many many people listen to Shirim and use his uh, use his charts and tables and diagrams and things because uh, you know this is what he dedicates himself to. And I'm just I'm so proud of him. It's just that's just one of many people in my life that I'm so proud of uh, and I'm proud to be his friend. What is uh, the website again? SWDAF.com. Simon Wolf. Phenomenal. Thank you, Dr. Hershorn. That was Dr. David Hershorn of dafyomi.org. Up next, Debbie Stone. She joined us to discuss the brand new NCSY Koren Sitter. Debbie Stone with the NCSY Koren Sitter, another amazing publication from Koren, another great work from NCSY. Here it is, that conversation on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, well, I have big news for everybody. NCSY, believe, this is an article, by the way, written by uh, Bela Sheva Brenner about the brand-new NCSY sitter. NCSY believes it can revolutionize, re- revolutionize the way teens daven, and it published a first-of-its-kind sidur to prove it. Conceived of and designed to inspire teenagers from across the spectrum of Torah observance, the soon-to-be-released NCSY sidur comes packed with spiritually stirring stories, provocative questions, and images. NCSY is confident the new sidur will help young people connect to the uh, words of the tefillot and come to value prayer more. By Micha Greenland, international director of NCSY, says the world at large struggles with using tefillot to create a relationship with Hashem. This is acutely true for teens. Schools do a good job of preparing them to navigate the Sidur. When it comes to helping them relate to the davening, they are in challenging territory. The idea for the Sidur came to Debbie Stone, NCSY's associate director of education, a few summers ago at the time. She, on the Ann Sampson Jerusalem Journey TJJ summer program, realized the public school teens on the trip needed help understanding the meaning and the power of Jewish prayer. She is the director of day school engagement for New York NCSY. Debbie Stone is with us live via telephone. Debbie, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Good morning. First of all, Mazal Tov on the Sidur. Uh, it is, um, you know, there are a lot of Sidurim out there. You, you know that, right? There are a lot of Sidurim on this planet. <laughs> I do. I know. And therefore, when someone says they are going to create or compile a, um, or even work on a new Sidur, sometimes people roll their eyes and wonder how different this can be from others that are predecessors of the of this uh, Sidur. But this, I must tell you, and I've only seen this a few sample pages, but this one really does an amazing job. And your goal 
was really to touch the hearts of uh, those public school youth and others of limited background who are who are really searching for a seed door that'll help them connect with God, right? Would that be the right way of putting it? Yeah, definitely. Originally, that was the goal. And I think the goal evolved a little bit more as we started to realize that it's not just people with background um, that's limited, but actually a lot of people in, in with yeshiva day school backgrounds or, or from backgrounds are having a struggle and are looking for meaning and are looking for inspiration in their davening. And this siddha evolved into something that really belongs to everybody and everyone can have a part of it. What are we doing wrong? Why are children and adults alike in so many cases having trouble connecting with the quote-unquote basic tefillah? Uh, so that's a very big question for probably experts more informed than I. However, in my very humble opinion, I think uh, we're, we're not necessarily being true to our real selves. I think sometimes we've put into a box what we expect to fill out to be, that we say the words, either we expect a result or we don't expect anything at all, and that's really a daily routine. And I think we've forgotten that tefillah has a lot more to do with self-introspection, self-evaluation, saying what you really feel, even if it's not cookie-cutter and in the box, and really coming to terms with real emotion and spiritual feeling, rather than just reading words off a page, which we may or may not understand. Debbie Stone with his live via telephone. Is the Sidor available yet? It is indeed. It's available either directly through Corin's website or through the OU Press website. Available, ready to go, and we're very excited to see people using it. All right, so we'll give uh, CorinPub.com, I believe it is, right? K-O-R-E-N. I believe so. Corin, yeah, it is. CorinPub.com, a shout-out, and of course... Uh, uh, to uh, OU Press as well. Um, is it known as the NCSY Cedar? Is this the very first time? You know, because yeah. there, there have been many, many iterations of the NCSY Bencher. Is the first NCSY Cedar? I'm glad you asked. We struggled with the name for a long time, but we couldn't even think to match or or gain any momentum from the Bencher. So we thought, why ruin a perfectly good strategy? The Bencher is the NCSY Bencher, and the Sidder is the Corin NCSY Sidder. Yeah, simple as that. Now, I, I can, now, now let's go through the format, because, again, oh. skeptics you know, who hear about a new Sidder, you know, they, they wonder what could be much different. Um, there, there are sections uh, on each page of what we traditionally, where we would traditionally put commentary, where, where somebody would expound on the thoughts that are being conveyed in the specific tefillah. You've used those sections a little differently. Describe it to the audience, please. Sure. So we have four sections of commentary, different sections to give um, a space for different learners. Each person learns differently or connects differently, and therefore we have different commentary. So there are four, four sections. One is called Connection. It's about inspirational stories and inspirational poems, something that really speaks to the heart. We have Learning, which is traditional learning. It gives an explanation on the history of the prayer or something in the text that's a typical limud. We have Reflection Questions, which are designed to be introspective, to ask Zavana, the person reading the Siddha, to really think inside of themselves. And the last one is called A Thousand Words, after a picture is A Thousand Words. And it's a photographic commentary. It's a photograph that should give picture, so to speak, to the words on the page. And it's interesting. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's each one is color coded. And so mm. each page in the text, each word in the text is connected to the color. So if you want, if we wanted a picture to explain a particular word, that picture is color coded with the color theme for a thousand words commentary. Got it. Um, you know, many times we want people to concentrate uh, on specific passages. In your case, uh, you know, add, add the picture element to it. You guys actually <laughs> tell people, close your eyes and think about this. Think about what you achieved this week. I'm looking at the Hadlakat uh, Neirot page. Think what you've achieved this week. You, you tell people to look at the picture of the Shabbat candles and, and you know, think things through as you're looking at this picture. It, it, you know, today, sometimes you need direct instructions in terms of getting something done or uh, encouraging somebody to do, someone to do something. Here, you're, you're taking that role. You're literally telling people, you know, I'm going to walk you through this process. Close your eyes. Think of the following. It's going to enhance the whole experience. Exactly. We wanted to help guide people. The commentary and the questions are really a guide to help people think for themselves and feel for themselves 
But as you said, we wanted to help them facilitate that discussion. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a nice approach, and I think a very 2018 approach, frankly. Um, in one of the so the pictures we spoke about, the commentary, and I just emphasize how in some of that commentary you'll actually have direction in terms of what to do. On one of them, in the uh, section with you did Nefesh, you actually use the connection section to include a letter, a letter from, from a, a child, at least it seems to be, a, you know, a teen son to his mom. What inspired that type of thing? So this, is a, this was Daniel's rewriting of a very long story that's fairly well known in some of the, in some of the typical cure of worlds. Um, and it's a beautiful story about a boy who goes home to his parents or his thinking about going home to his parents on a long journey after a long time of being estranged. And uh, Daniel did a beautiful job of putting the story together because it takes a long time to tell the story, never mind write the story. Um, and it's a story about a boy who, who's scared to go home, but he, he is because it's time to come back. And it's a very, very connecting story about that there's always something there waiting for you, even if you've been gone for a very long time. And when you say Daniel, you mean your co-author, Dr. Daniel Rose. Dr. Daniel Rose, yes. Uh, the two of you worked on this, and it's now called the NCSY Sitter. It is available. It is really an amazing work. Uh, everybody out there, I, I have a feeling, I mean, I don't know what your feelings are, especially after putting all these hours into this project, but I have a feeling this is really going to uh, make its mark out there, that this is going to be one of those Sidorim that uh, every home uh, is going to have at some point because it just offers something I don't think any other Sitter ever offered, frankly. That's the dream. That's the hope. And uh, you'll have one shortly. It's on the way to you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> it will certainly enhance our uh, tefillah experience. Is this a uh, Shabbat and Yom Tov Sidor, or this is good for every day of the year? This is good for weekday and Shabbat and Cholamoid. Very nice. So everybody out there, check it out. Uh, the website's Koren Pub dot com k-o-r-e-n-p-u-b dot com you can also search o-u press you're looking for the koren ncsy sitter it is available in hardcover hebrew and english and it has uh, in addition to the hebrew and english right the translation of the actual tefillot it has as um as a debbie uh a debbie stone has uh, has told us has sections called learning reflection a thousand words and connection all of which have a role and getting all of us, not just those from limited background, but all of us more involved in tefillah, more aware of tefillah, and hopefully more connected with God through tefillah, through our davening. So I am highly recommending it, and I hope everybody out there has an opportunity to go and uh, and see uh, the beauty of the brand new Sidor. Debbie Stone is the co-author and director of Day School Experience at uh, Day School Engagement, rather at New York NCSY. Her co-author, Dr. Daniel Rose, and they've got the brand new. Koren NCSY Sitter in both Hebrew and English, korenpub.com, or search our friends at OU Press. Try to get it ASAP. Congratulations, Debbie. It's an amazing work, and I wish you the best of luck with this. I hope that this, uh, in fact, does go the way I predict, that every Jewish home is going to insist on having it in their home. Thank you so much. A pleasure, and have a Chag Kasher That was our conversation with Debbie Stone with the NCSY Koren Sitter. Up next, David Greenfield joined us before uh, Pesach to discuss the Metropolitan Council on Jewish Poverty and the incredible work that they did in the pre-Pesach season for so many people who are in need in New York. Uh, David Greenfield, Met Council, now on JM Rewind on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, One of the people who um, sees upfront and personal just uh, how needy certain members of our community are. This is year-round, not just Pesach time, but around Pesach time. I'm sure the situation seems more acute. Is a David Greenfield, David Greenfield, at one time member of the New York City Council, now the uh, CEO of the Metropolitan Council on Jewish Poverty, and he is with us live via telephone as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach. David Greenfield, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. I appreciate and, uh, that. I'm usually the guy who, like an hour before Yom Tif, is waiting online at the <laughs> car wash to clean my car. Because that's like always the last task that you have to do, which is make sure your car is clean before Yom Tif. Yeah, you know, there, there are other methods, you know. You know, there are, there are kids in the community that you could employ and, uh, you know, beg them to vacuum it out a week before. You know, there are other, other ways of going about this. 
The problem is the former elected official and uh, current law professor at Brooklyn Law School, I, I get a little bit nervous about the whole child labor issue, <laughs> hiring local kids, are they paying their taxes, you know, what's with the withholdings, a little bit too messy for me. I don't like to deal in cash businesses, honestly. Oh, boy. Now, after this conversation, I'm going to have to change my plans. Um, so here we go. Pesach's on the way, and I, I can only imagine how many times as a government official you were told by people at Met Council and those who work with the poor just how many poor people there are in the Jewish community in New York. And frankly, uh, you know, for many of us, and certainly for the broader community, it's hard to believe. Then you get to this position, and I guess it becomes even easier for you to believe as you are now telling people how many impoverished there are in our community. Can you tell us? Can you tell us in terms of numbers? It's actually the best and worst part of my job, which is that I get to see poverty up close and personal every single day. That's the worst part of my job. The best part of my job is that as the largest Jewish communal social safety net in America, I get to combat poverty every day with the help of so many people at the Met Council. And so there are over a half a million poor and near-poor Jews in the New York area. That's a lot, a half a million. Now, a lot of the people, and this is really, I think, what's fascinating, and people don't realize this, a lot of people are poor year-round, and that's horrible, obviously, and that's a struggle that we work every single day to try to help those people who are poor year-round for a variety of reasons. In some cases, it's a personal tragedy where something happened to somebody, someone's wife got sick, a person got injured, other people have just been struggling for many years. But then you have the situation where around the holidays, people who would normally make it, right? You know, two people are working, a husband and the wife, they've got four or five kids, normally they would make it. Pesach is so extraordinarily expensive, they just can't afford to get through Pesach. And so we spend literally upwards of $5 million dollars every Pesach, just trying to help everyone who struggles on Pesach. Because let's be blunt, Nachum, I hate to say this, but we know it's true. Many store owners jack up the prices of everything before Pesach, whether it's clothing or food, a piece of chicken that was 25% cheaper a month ago suddenly goes up. And quite frankly, it's not like the chicken got more expensive. The reason I know this is because we run the largest kosher food network in America, and we buy chicken all year round, and the price of chicken is consistent. Unfortunately, a lot of people struggle with the high cost of Pesach, and people who would normally make it what we call the near poor, they're fine all year round. Comes Pesach, they literally can't pay their bills, and that's where Met Council comes in. And we help 180,000 people make Pesach this year. Plus, there are a lot of items that are exclusively for Pesach, which you know, which we really can't compare uh, to everyday uh, food items that just begin at, at exorbitant prices and are very difficult for people to afford. David Greenfield with us live via telephone. What's happened over the last couple of weeks? You, you, you and your staff have done these visits to different communities to actually distribute food items and things like that? Yeah, by the way, I just want to hit on your point. The price of handmade matzah is insane. And That's I know, crazy. obviously, it's so important and it's so vital. But it's when you're so talking crazy. about 20, 30, some matzah sells for $40 a pound. Ugh. I mean, think about how much more expensive that is than caviar. That's crazy, crazy. Right? I mean, so you're talking about a huge, huge expense for people out there who are struggling every day. What we do is very unique. So essentially, what, whenever you see a free kosher for Pesach food distribution, the Met Council is involved by providing that food. So we don't actually go out and give the food ourselves because it's not a very smart method. People in the community have better relationships with their local communities. And the Met Council's whole ethos is based on the idea that there are local charities that can do a better job helping the poor than anybody else. So what we do is we give those local charities the food to give out to their communities. So we're actually giving the food to 120 kosher for Pesach food distributions throughout New York. We've actually expanded this year. It's the first year that we are in additional sites in Westchester, Rockland, and Long Island because there's needs in those communities. We actually are serving more people this year than ever before, 180,000 people. And as the new CEO, I decided to actually start a campaign to raise more money for protein for Pesach because nutrition is so important. And so we are giving out 
literally twice as much chicken, eggs, and fish as we've ever done before at the Med Council, which I'm very excited about, and I think it's really a wonderful thing to help families and make sure they're getting not just food, but nutritious food for Yom Tif as well. And you just explained, and I'm so glad you did, why so many people out there would not have even heard of the name Met Council, even if they are recipients of food items, because you're dealing, as you just said, with the UJCs, the JCCs, local clubs and communities, community groups, to distribute the food. There are people who are receiving, most of them, I would guess, don't even realize that food is coming from Met Council. Yeah, absolutely, and that's not really our goal. Our goal is, is not about taking the credit. It's really about supplying the food, and to your point, just about every free distribution of kosher food in the New York area is getting the overwhelming majority of their food from the Met Council. We have a warehouse in Brooklyn. We've got 30 employees before Pesach who are working hard. I'm not exaggerating. I just want you to understand this. We're getting today, today, eight days before Pesach, we're getting a tractor-trailer load of eggs. Fresh eggs are coming in, tractor-trailer that we're going to be distributing, and we're literally giving out tens of thousands of dozens of fresh eggs. And the way we do that is we give it to distributions large and small. So, for example, if you're Basiakov of Bar Park and you're distributing food to your rebame and to your teachers, that food is coming from the Met Council. If you're the UJC of the East Side and you're giving food to local folks on the East Side, that's coming from the Met Council. If you're the Bronx JCC and you're giving food to people in the Bronx, that's coming from the Met Council. And the best part about it is it's free. We actually don't charge anything for this. We raise money year-round as one of the largest Jewish charities in the country. We have a lot of support, including from the UJ Federation of New York, that we're very grateful for. And our job is literally to give free food to people. We do it all year through our 30 food pantries that are kosher throughout New York. We serve 50,000 people every month. Pesach for us is the Super Bowl, and it has its challenges. Baruch Hashem, the snowstorm threw us for a loop yesterday (laughs) because we were going to have six distributions that we were providing the food for. Five of them were canceled. The one that stayed open was we actually do several of our own distributions, and this was our own distribution that we did in Canarsie. When you literally run the show, the show, as they say, must go on. (laughs) And we gave out food yesterday to 350 families living in Canarsie, and it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Well, we can relate to that. The show must go on. Call Akavod, you were able to do that. David Greenfield's with us. This is going on all year round. What you just described for Pesach, uh, rightfully you called it the Super Bowl for Met Council, but the regular season is pretty active as well with food distribution and so much else. And we should also mention, by the way, for those out there, who have never uh, become familiar with Met Council, it's not just food. When it comes to uh, home repairs, different services, including the social services, um, affordable housing issues, etc., you guys are there at the forefront and very often uh, will you know, we'll, we'll help people directly by either paying certain bills or by being there for them, arranging uh, payment plans, etc. Um, it, it, it is way beyond the food. There are many other areas of life that you're helping our community with. Absolutely. So as the largest Jewish communal social safety net in America, we actually are 10 different tzedakahs, 10 different charities rolled into one, and 10 different divisions, each of which can be its own tzedakah because they have multi-million dollar budgets. So we have one of the largest Holocaust survivor programs in New York where we service 3,500 Holocaust survivors each year with all sorts of different services. We have one of the largest senior programs in the Jewish community where we're serving seniors who are in need. To, to your point, we have a really unique program that almost nobody has, which is a program to help seniors age in place. We go into seniors' homes. We do basic repairs like a grab bar or we'll simply fix the floor so people don't fall and hurt themselves. We have a whole range of programs to help those people in the community who are needy. And the way we do it, which is also very unique, is that we do it through our 16 JCCs. We call the Jewish Community Councils, and they're all across the New York area. And these JCCs are providing frontline services. In most cases, we're providing those JCCs with staff, with funding, with food, with resources. And when they have really difficult cases, they send it to us. It's really based on the idea the, the concept of Aniye Ircha Kaidem, you have to take care of your local people who are struggling, and we are providing the support to literally hundreds of thousands of people 
in the New York area, and it's something we're really proud of, and we have over 200 staffers who are working at this each and every single day. Well, you're there since the beginning of 2018. Is this what you expected? Is it uh, uh, the way you thought Met Council was and would be uh, before you took the job? You know, I tell my friends, and Nachum, you're, of course, a good friend, I tell my friend that this is the most difficult job that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, when I practiced corporate law, a lot of people say, well, that was difficult. That was actually easy compared to this, right? I put in my 60, 60, 70 hours a week. I billed. I got paid. I went home, and the job was done. There is no end to this job. Literally, it's 24-7. Shabbos, people are coming to you and telling you about their challenges and their problems, and you're trying to help people. I shared a story the other day, just an example of, of how challenging and how heartbreaking this work is. I was... In Borough Park, this young man comes to me, and I, I know him relatively well. He's a very successful businessman. He says, look, he says, David, can I speak to you? And I said, sure. And it's Arab Shabbos, and he says, you know, I need your help. And I said, what's going on? He says, well, you know, I have a business, and I have a dispute with my business partner, and I've been very successful, as you know. And I know that. He's the guy who literally buys aliyahs in the shul for his friends. And he says, in the dispute, my partner is suing me, and so my funds have been frozen for the last six months. I said, oh, you need me to give you a lawyer or some help? He says, no, no, I have a lawyer. I'm probably going to get the money by the summer, but I haven't had any income for the last six months. He says, I know this sounds crazy, but I don't have food for Shabbos. Wow. And, and you're like, how is that possible? How is somebody who has made literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year could be stuck? And the answer is, Unfortunately, things happen, and so, of course, we sprung into action, and to your point, we got him a food package, we got him an emergency food card, we started paying his bills, and we really stepped in to try to be helpful. And this is an individual who really wasn't comfortable asking for help, but he had no choice. And so a lot of people think of the poor, and they say, oh, the poor, the poor is not me, it's somebody else. Unfortunately, there's a lot of very successful people who are struggling due to circumstance, and our job at the Met Council is to step in and to help those people. And if it's temporary, we'll help them get through the hump. And if it's long-term, we'll do the best that we can to try to improve their lives. Well, you're certainly doing a good job at it. Many many would say you work 24 hours a day, six days a week in the city council. I see this job has taken you through to a seventh day, which is pretty amazing. But uh, that's what it is. You meet people in our community on Shabbos and Yontif, and they're going to take advantage of the fact, rightfully so, I'm sure you would say, take advantage of the fact that you could be a tremendous resource and helping them and their friends and people in the community. And we say call it a vote for that. Uh, you can go to metcouncil.org if you want to uh, get more information about what the Met Council on Jewish Poverty does. Uh, you'll have a, you have a full website there, plus a donate button. Those of you who want to uh, help defray the cost that the Met Council is going through now, Erev Pesach 5778. As you heard David say, you're not just supporting one stucker, you're supporting multiple stuckers by giving to Met Council as uh, so many of their divisions uh, are springing into action on a daily basis, not just there of Pesach, but on a daily basis to help the poor in our community in New York. I recommend everybody go and check out the site at metcouncil.org. David Greenfield, I take this opportunity to wish you a Chag Kosher Sameach, and frankly, you and your organization are guaranteeing for a lot of people that they'll have a Simchadik and Kosher Yontif, and for that we uh, greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much. I just want to tell you one final cool thing that we do that just about nobody else does. Yeah. We just sent out a half a million dollars in American Express coded cards, and they're coded because they only work in kosher supermarkets. So for people who need above and beyond, and these are all pre-vetted people, people who unfortunately struggle throughout the year and the food packages aren't enough, they're getting American Express cards so they can walk into any kosher supermarket. Nobody knows. They can buy food for Pesach, and literally they can walk out like any other family. And it's something that we're so proud to be doing as well to really help so many people in a dignified way, which I think is so important about how we have to give tzedakah. Yeah, that's amazing. The process is just as important as the deed, and your process seems to be working really well and to the benefit of our community. Thank you so much, David. Have a wonderful yontif and continue your amazing work. Thanks for having me. There he is, David Greenfield. He now leads the Met Council and doing quite a job and really explained to us why a lot of people would never have heard of Met Council, even though they are responsible for all these uh, incredible donations of food that are accelerated as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach.
That was our conversation with David Greenfield of the Metropolitan Council on Jewish Poverty. That conversation took place just before Pesach. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to listen in on some of the great guests we've had recently on JM and the AM. More coming up if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Me call hallelujah. Me call hallelujah. Shave call hallelujah. Anu achlin chamei tumacha. Hallelujah, 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 She are ye rakot. She are ye rakot. Halayla ze, halayla ze, maror, maror. Halayla ze, halayla ze, maror, maror. Shevichol halaylo, einanu mapilin, afilu pa. Shalom Tova Uvracha Chain Bachesed Viracha Mimaleinu Vealko Vealko Yisrael Amecha Grace and kindness We will find this within us Crisis, paying prices, we see you. We see you. 
Elohim Aleinu Yisrael Amecha Simcha Simcha